Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians. Glad to see everybody. We got some nice light snow out there on the ground. But, uh, and party hats. Don't ask me why I have a party hat on. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to worship this morning. So people on, online, thanks for showing up this morning and uh, waking up with us today. And uh, we're going to start out with God is Great.
good song to wake up to. So good morning, everyone. Let's do that one more time. Good morning, everybody. There you go. All right. Oh, thank you.
Now, this next song might sound a little weird because you're usually used to hearing a woman sing this song. But as you can see, I am not a woman. <laughs> but I do have a party hat on. Thank you. 
know the snow is out there, but some of us found glory in that snow today, right? When you're driving through, it's beautiful. And it's not too much, not too little, and you're getting wrecked out here, which is a good thing. <laughs> so it's a glorious day. And I was buried beneath my shame.
evening. It's good to see all of you. And if I can, just for a minute, to give a shout out to Sean Woodhouse for leading worship the last two weeks solo. His fellow teammates, who are the women on the team, have been sick. So we want to continue to pray for our congregation and the sickness and all the stuff that's been going on. But thank you, Sean, and the rest of the worship team. Thank you. And I just want to give another shout out to our snow crew who was here early this morning making sure everything was nice and clean this morning for all of you to come into the building safely. So that's another good thing. Yes. Yes. And the ushers are waiting patiently for me to tell them to go ahead and take up the offering. But let me pray first. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you. Oh my goodness, Lord, for the beauty of this day. I feel like I had worship before I even got here, Lord, with the beauty of the snow and the trees. And then to come in here and to sing praises to you with all of our brothers and sisters. Lord, we thank you. It's good to be together, Lord. So, Lord, I ask you to bless these offerings and the givers, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And good morning again. If you're a guest here with us, we extend a warm welcome, welcome to you. Go ahead, uh, um, pass the offering buckets. Go ahead. <laughs> and our folks online, good morning. It's good to have you with us this morning online. I know a lot of you are out there online because of the snow, but we're glad that we're all here together. Several announcements for you this morning. The adult class. A study of Philippians, Gospel of Joy, is going to be meeting today over in the Fellowship Hall, over to my left. You can still attend that if you'd like. And it's still t uh, there's still enough time for you to be a part of Hosanna's directory. If you would like to do that, see Wendy Hughes in the back. Wendy, wave your hand. She's got the forms for you to fill out. See her. And can I say, I'm just really excited about the several groups that have been coming up in our congregation, coming from you, which is really cool. Mike Newman is having his informational meeting next Monday night at 6.30. Yes, that was Mike blowing the, whatever those things are, um, noisemakers for his ham radio class informational meeting. Come join him that night. We're hoping we get a good group, even from the group from the community as well. So that's happening. And then on... Jane Clark is going to be facilitating an online Lenten pilgrimage called Carrying Stories of Woundedness, where we follow Jesus' footsteps in prayer and discussion as we consider our own burdens. You don't have to be a writer to be a part of this group. The group's going to meet on Wednesday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30, from March 2nd to April 13th. You can sign up out at the Welcome Center or on the website. And then another group that just emerged, which is really pretty cool, and I'm dropping my papers, is uh, Carla Pons is going to be facilitating a mom's group. We have been wanting to have a mom's group here for many years, and Carla just felt the nudge to um, take ownership of that. So ladies, if you would like to join, there's a flyer in your mail slot. We also sent out about 18 other flyers to moms in our community that haven't been able to join us for a while. They're going to be meeting on the second Wednesday of every month from 6 to 8. It's going to be for elementary and middle school age moms to share their experiences. <laughs> what, what, what? What did I say? And we hope they're not moms yet. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. 
delete that. Moms of, moms of middle school and elementary. Elementary and middle school. You get it, moms, you just see the flyer in your mail slots. Yes. Moms, hey, it's about joy this morning, right? What can I say? Carla done the hat. Okay, so moms group, Carla facilitating that. And with that, I think we need to join us for joy ride. get up and dance a little bit or shout or uh... <laughs> no, this is date we armed them too soon no we had this conversation uh, as if, um... yeah. when was the last time you played in the snow <laughs> I'll bring us back I'll bring us back yeah. I had actually thought that I would grab a snowball from out there this morning and then for the beginning of service and but then I realized that somebody had to clean it up it would melt. See, that would be responsible of me, but that wouldn't be childish, would it? <laughs> don't give them ideas. Okay, don't tempt me while she's talking. <laughs> it's only water. Well, while you're thinking about what kind of joy ride you want, let me tell you about a different kind of joy. There were only 22 seconds left in the AFC championship game. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers, greatest team that God ever created. <laughs> Notice what I'm wearing today? <laughs> They're not in the game, I know, but they ought to be. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are trading the Oakland Raiders with by only one point, but they were stalled on their own 40-yard line, 22 seconds to go. It was fourth and 10, no timeouts. 
Having run out of options, quarterback Terry Bradshaw looks around field and just hurls the ball downfield, hoping that perhaps John Fuqua would be able to grab it, but it bounced off of him and flipped through the air. And it was, it was plunging to the ground. It was obvious to everybody that the game is over. It would be over. It should be over. But suddenly, freshman Pittsburgh running back Franco Harris appeared out of nowhere and scooped that ball up in a miraculous catch. And then sidestepped Raiders defenders as he danced across the goal line for a touchdown. And the win! The date was December 23rd, 1972, almost 50 years ago now. The catch was soon dubbed the Immaculate Reception, which is funnier if you're Catholic. <laughs> Still regarded by many as the greatest play in NFL history. Still regarded by some as Bradshaw getting away with a ball that actually did hit the ground. It made millions of people in the stands at her home jump to their feet and shout with joy as the game seemed to be miraculously saved because God has always been on the side of the Steelers. <laughs> and that was the day that I became a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So, so you're illustrating for us that memory is a wonderful source of joy. Exactly. Even almost 50 years later. <laughs> yeah. Except they had to look it all up and watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is you go to the NFL Hall of Fame and they have Franco Harris there. That's, that was a picture of him, you know, receiving that. That's what, 50 years later, that's what he's remembered for. That one second when he appeared out of nowhere and caught that ball before, before it hit the ground. Don't let anybody tell you no, otherwise. <laughs> now, isn't it awesome how easily most people talk about their favorite teams? I just told you a testimony, didn't I? I shared the gospel, or a gospel with you. Good news. The Steelers won back in 72. Um, isn't it awesome how boisterously we'll celebrate? <laughs> there was millions of pictures to choose from here. When our team gives us some good news. Yeah, but, you know, you're tempting them. It's, they might come in looking like that. It's, it's just who they are. That's <laughs> true. I dare you. Oh, no. <laughs> Joey? <laughs> so let me ask you this. <laughs> Does the gospel of Jesus Christ sound in any way as wonderful as all that? Have you ever felt the same kind of enthusiasm for God's good news welling up inside of you as you felt for an athletic event or an Olympic win? Any of you actually watching this week? <laughs> or some other kind of unexpected victory? Some unexplained joy? Maybe we can. Maybe we can actually feel it that deeply and that fully and that enthusiastically. For this past month or so, I think five, six weeks now, Joanne and I have been up here every Sunday describing gospel, good news, and showing each week how the good news of Jesus is even better than we have imagined it, and far better than the story most people out there have ever been hearing from us. 
So we've said so far the gospel is truth and gospel is hope and gospel is grace and gospel is glory. And you can pick it up on it today. Today we're also insisting with delight the gospel is also joy. It's exuberant. Stand up and cheer. Take a joyride kind of joy. Yes. So no wonder there's so much joy in the Bible. There really is. In fact, there are over 20 Biblical Hebrew and Greek words translated into English as joy. And we're going to subscribe and, uh, every single and what one joy, of them. Too. What joy for all of you. I know, because we don't have to talk about each of those over 20 words. Because God knew we would laugh. Because whether Hebrew, Greek, or English, joy means joy. That's it. Joy means joy. So why are there so many words? Because joy is multifaceted. Joy contains a multitude of different experiences and different meanings. So the various biblical words are just trying to capture some of the nuances of what joy is and what joy does. So the words have themes. Like some of the words are about joy as a ringing cry or a jubilant shout, or joy as gladness or being made glad or is exultation, pleasure, or delight, or loud celebratory singing, right? For me, worship can't get loud enough. I really enjoy the, just the sound of all of our voices joined together. And you know, sometimes the room can feel a little fuller than, well, even today with all the snow. But, it can even feel fuller than the number of bodies who are here because I think sometimes we actually get a sense that we're singing with angels around the throne. Anyway, but I digress. Rabbits, big juicy ones. I don't want to be chasing them. Loud, celebratory singing. Joy. Also, as satisfying, strengthening recognition of God's presence and grace that when God shows up in some way that surprises us, Oh my gosh, there's something, it makes you smile with delight, and it's so satisfying. In the Old Testament, joy is found in a wide range of, of human experiences, and the words are used to describe the joy of marriage, um, of physical love, Song of Songs. Have you ever heard Song of Solomon, whichever tradition you're in? Yeah, I know a lot of teenage boys who confess when they're adults that they read Song of songs when they were in... Only in church. It's only in church when you were born with the rest of it. Right. So, physical love. Um, the birth of children. The birth of grandchildren. From generation to generation. Joy. The joy of gathering in the harvest and then feasting and drinking wine with the feast. Yay for wine. No. Um, healing. Recovery from illness, from loss. Uh, worshiping God and living in, in the goodness of God's word. See, all of this continues unchanged from the Old Testament and the Hebrew words into the New Testament and the Greek words, unchanged, with one life-giving addition, Jesus in the New Testament. Now, I don't want to get ahead of things. We're going to add a little bit more about Jesus in a bit. But before we talk about Jesus and joy, let's talk a bit about God and joy. And let's start with a core concept we've offered you before. God doesn't ask us to be anything. God doesn't transform us into anything that God is not already himself. That's really, really good news. 
Because of all the good things that we, you know, maybe aspire to be, it's because God already is all those good things. So if we're invited into joy, if joy is gospel, then it must be because it's who God is. Now, hopefully those of you who have been around Hosanna for some time, this is not an entirely new or startling concept that God could be joy. But it is new and startling for most of the world. Think of the images that you have seen of uh, God the Father through the years. Let's not focus on, we'll get to Jesus a little bit later, right? Do you remember any at all that's looked or felt like joy? The Father has usually been pictured as solemn and stern, old, maybe even angry. But that's not right. If we allow ourselves, if we've allowed ourselves to meet him in his fullness, we've discovered a God of laughter and joy, undefinable, unmeasurable, far beyond human joy. In fact, our, our word for it doesn't even quite capture how much joy resides in or is, or, or is inherent in the, the God the Father. It means that every joy that we've experienced here on earth is just a reflection of his, and it's a partial one at that. In God, there is fullness of joy. Yep. And every human joy fails in comparison. We, yes. we could change the world if we believed that. Yes. Because we'd be ch- stop chasing after everything else. Mm-hmm. That might give us a little bit of a taste of it for a while, but we'll never be fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. So let's, if you're having trouble struggling, struggling to imagine this, uh, that God could be joyful, just, just maybe we can do this, a little thought experiment. Imagine for a moment... If we can, what would have been like for God when those original six days of creation were over? When he looked at him day after day and said, this is good. And how he must at the end must have gazed upon all that he had made, including the first humans. And how God must have smiled with satisfaction and delight. Maybe even laughed with joy at the goodness of it all. Now, can you, can you see that in your mind? Can you feel that in your spirit a little bit? Then maybe you can trust even a little bit that joy is gospel because it's who God is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was so in, engrossed in that. I didn't realize you were ending. Okay. So, yeah, it's be. I could it's, talk more. Jo- you could, but we're not going to let you. Joy is gospel. Yeah, because it's who God is. Uh, and in in this case, we're talking about the Father, but yeah, anyway, we'll clear that up later. Um, it's who God is, but it's also because it's who God made us to be. God made us to be joy and joyful as well. All of humanity, every person ever born has been created in the likeness and image of God. Everyone. So since God is fullness of joy, The capacity for joy is present in every human being. That's what the video was showing us. That joy is possible for everyone. That all of us can experience joy at least momentarily. And especially when we remember our childlikeness. When when we allow ourselves to laugh ourselves breathless. It's so much fun. (laughs) To laugh till it hurts. And then to laugh some more. Right? To play with our food. To sing and dance. (laughs) Sing, dance. Take the chance just 
for maybe just a few moments, take the chance to stop worrying and allow yourself to experience some joy in simply being alive in this amazing world. It was created for us to be alive in. Scripture, Psalm 118 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus said, you know, tomorrow has, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. You know why? Because tomorrow becomes today. And then this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. And then it's today because that's all we get. Amen. Rejoice and be glad today. God created us for joy. And yes, when God said, looked at everything and said, this is very good. God was also saying that joy really is very good. The thing about joy, though, is um, it, it doesn't seem to last, does it? It's here for a moment and too soon gone. It feels full and satisfying for a while, but before too long, we find ourselves feeling dissatisfied and empty again. And what's with that? It all seems very confusing. If God is joy, like Tony said, and, and God created us all for joy, then why aren't we all living in joy? One reason may be that we ha we've forgotten, or maybe we were never taught the difference between fleeting happiness and lasting joy. Our culture is com completely confused about this too. There are lots of similarities between happiness and joy. So it's not surprising that advertisers and consumers alike believe that lasting joy can be acquired along with their products. Um, that when all, you know, and then when all those things that we buy, these material things, they can offer some momentary happiness. Isn't there even a store that's called Joy? Probably. Is there a chain store? Anybody know that? I remember something like that. Anyway. Probably. Come in and buy it. Yeah, except it doesn't really last because they keep marketing so that it won't. Gotta want something else. Um, and what about the folks who believe that lasting joy, not only that it can be acquired, but that it can be achieved? This is the other end of the spectrum. This uh, joy can be achieved through self-deprivation self and hard work. You know, we're denying ourselves even small delights and stashing every spare diamond investments, hoping to enjoy some happiness someday. But when someday comes, why is it they find it so very difficult to let go and actually enjoy life? Not everyone. We're talking in big picture. But the, you know, the, the ends of this spectrum and there's confusion, this confusion about happiness and joy, it's also rampant in the church, where people are often promised in one way or another that they can achieve a bliss-filled, problem-free life if only they will adhere to legalistic rules. Prosperity gospel. It's just an exchange. If I do this for you, you do this for me. Legalistic rules, and those rules must, of course, be kept perfectly in order to earn heavenly joy, because, of course, that kind of joy is not possible in this terrible, fallen, evil world full of depraved, sin-ridden people. Now, is it? 
She smiles with some joy. Listen, I know you all know it. We're, we're also preaching, hi, and you all know it. But there's folks out there who don't know this. They don't know that this is definitely not gospel. But you know, learning to value both happiness and joy, this doesn't mean that happiness isn't a good thing. It is. I'll be, I'll take some happiness for a fleeting moment. How about you? But we've got to value both happiness and joy, but part of maturing as Christians is learning to discern, discern the difference between them. That's gospel. Joy is what lies beneath our shifting emotions. Joy is the primary way that, uh, that we can discern, right? We can look at what brings joy. A primary way that we can discern joy is by noticing. In those moments when happiness is absent, to notice we're still being sustained. We're still being held, we're still being supported by something solid and unshakable, weighed down in our depths. Something that seems like contentment, something that, that's, that, that kind of grounds us in gratitude, regardless of what we might have, regardless of what we might do right or wrong, regardless of what's happening around us in our circumstances. Joy is what sustains us when we're utterly exhausted and can't acquire or achieve one more thing. After two years in COVID, there are a lot of exhausted people. Our staff, that's why we are insisting that our staff members this year all take a month. Two years. Utter exhaustion. Wow. Joy is what sustains us though through it, when we can't acquire or achieve one more thing, when we can't adhere to one more legalistic demand, when we're completely confused, when we can't do anything on our own to make ourselves happy. Joy is what rises up from deep within and sings anyway. Happiness. Happiness is always because of something. Only joy is in spite of. It can be because of, but in spite of. And you know what? All of this joy is only possible because... Of Jesus. Yes. We might call Jesus joy in human flesh. Joy in bodily form. Mm -hmm. So again, let me ask you, is this how you have pictured Jesus? You know, the translations of the Gospels haven't always captured well Jesus' sense of humor or his delight in people. And those old movies, oh my goodness, they made him seem so solemn and serious and even angry and all that stuff. But thankfully, in the last generation or so, there have been, there have been images and even movies of a laughing, joyful Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's something we try to... There's a couple of them there on the screen for you. That's something we try to emphasize here as we talk about Jesus. That maybe, just maybe, he was the kind of person you'd actually like to hang out with. You think? <laughs> maybe still do. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we assert that joy is gospel because it's who God the Father is. It's also gospel because it's who Christ is. And it was who Jesus was when he was here on earth. And I, I'm not just talking about... 
the, the warm and fuzzy moments, like when he was holding small children, or a lot of good images of Jesus. In fact, for a long time, the only images you could see of Jesus smiling mostly was when he was holding kids. Uh-huh. Uh, I, while I'm distracted on this, I looked up, I did, a, I did a complete search on Google, which means the known universe. <laughs> I could not find a single image anywhere of God the Father doing, having anything that approached a smile. Wow. That's and there aren't really too many sad. of Jesus. A lot of them when he's holding kids. As, and we get that, right? The kids can pull that out of us. But, but was Jesus capable of smiling and being happy in other times? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just when the f- disciples were finally getting something right. <laughs> Jesus must have had that look on his face a number of times, however. Oh, my God. What the? <laughs> Who did you give me? <laughs> And it wasn't just when his best friend was raised from the dead. I think the day that he raised Lazarus from the dead was a, you know, noise-making, hallelujah kind of event. Those were moments of joy. But, but Scripture says that remarkably, Jesus had joy even as he contemplated his coming death. It actually says that. For the joy set before him, yes. he endured the cross. Despising its shame... You know why? Because he knew what was waiting on the other side of that horror. Mm -hmm. And he continued in joy because he knew who would rejoice later because of it. Mm -hmm. People like you and me. Joy is indeed gospel because it's who Jesus is. And it's also who Jesus saves us to be. And saves, I know, that word can be, it can be, like sticking a finger in a wound sometimes to people. But the word translated save in the New Testament, it's the Greek word sozo. And it, again, it's another one of these words that contains layer upon layer of meaning, layer upon layer of all that Jesus has done and is doing and will continue to do in saving us. We say this here a lot. Um, maybe more in the past, maybe not as much recently, but the reality is salvation is more than a one-time event, right? It is, there is a moment in which we wake up and we recognize who we are, who, who God is, and we trade, we say, I don't want, you can have my life. And we receive forgiveness for sin and we receive Christ's life in exchange for ours. And we get heaven when we die, yay! But that, that moment is not the whole thing. See, salvation is a one-time event, but it's also God's ongoing process of repairing the damage that sin has done in us and to us and through us to others. And that ongoing process of God restoring all that God intended from the very beginning, including fullness of joy for all people. See, as we've already seen, the capacity for joy is in every person. But a capacity for joy is not necessarily joy itself, right? The capacity is in everyone, but joy itself, that's not anything that we can create on our own. It's not anything we earn in our own effort. As we said, lasting joy is something we receive when we are saved. 
And as we continue to be restored in loving relationship with God, Jesus' joy continues to fill us and flow through us. This, we see this so beautifully in Jesus' life. Tony pointed this out. It was like, he was giving joy to others even before he was born. Not only from heaven, but remember, he's conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit, developing little fetus. And in the presence of pregnant Mary, John the Baptist, his cousin, leaps for joy in his own mother's womb, in Elizabeth's womb, just in the presence of the developing Jesus. <laughs> and then what happened? Mary broke into this joyous song about the redemption that Jesus would bring into the world, how he reverses things. And the first will be last, and the last will be first. And, and she just is singing the scriptures in the Old Testament. And with a smile, with joy, but it came from the one within her. And six months later, when Jesus was born, angels were also jubilantly, jubilantly singing that the good news of great joy for all people had come into the world. Jesus was a joy bringer. And something that made Jesus most joyful was when people like us were joyful too. Remember his response when he had sent out 72 disciples, two by two, to go out and do ministry. And they came back to him flushed with this ecstatic joy over what God had, had done through them. They had seen incredible things. And in that moment, there they are, just dancing and singing, I'm sure. Just jumping up and down in joy. At that very moment, it says, scripture says, Luke 10, Jesus overflowed with joy from the Holy Spirit. Literally, the word there in Greek means much leaping. Don't, all right, is that an image that most of us have? Jesus jumping for joy. There it is. It's biblical. And what was, it is also joy to notice what was he so overjoyed about? Well, he tells us because he's leaping for joy and then he breaks into prayer and he says this, my father, Lord of heaven and earth, I am grateful that you hid all this from wise and educated people and showed it to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that is what pleased you. Listen, the ministry was great. No, no problem there. But what overjoyed Jesus and most delighted the Father was not what they did. It was who they were, ordinary people who allowed themselves to be filled with joy. Ordinary people who were deemed unworthy by the educated ones. By the, by the, they were unworthy of God's attention. But these were people who took the risk of saying yes to Jesus' invitation anyway, and then got to see not only God's power through them, but they got to experience God's joy and pleasure in them. It, may, it makes me want to, yeah, I could jump for joy right now. I won't, but I could, um, because inside I am. I'm jumping on the inside. Yes. See, 
joy is such redeeming. These are, this is what that word means, so do. Such redeeming, rescuing, preserving, recovering, restoring, healing, saving gospel. This is good news. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. It occurred to me while Jan, Joanne was talking that little fetus Jesus would make a great name fetus for a children's Jesus. book. No, no, no. I can see the t-shirt. No, it's a no, su- no. superhero. <laughs> Ooh, a cape on the sonogram. <laughs> Joy is gospel. <laughs> because it's who the Father is, who the Son is, and of course, joy is gospel because it's who the Holy Spirit is as well. Yes. For they're all one. A trinity of divine persons sharing or, yeah, we don't, we, we, words break down after a while. They do. Even for us educated people. <laughs> a trinity of divine persons sharing the same eternal, life-creating, life-sustaining, redeeming joy. Now, how do we know the spirit is joy? Because the Bible says so, mm-hmm. or the Bible tells me so. How about the, um, the fruit of the spirit? You guys know this, right? Love, joy, it's right there, peace, and all those other aspects that uh, we remember only when we sing them as a song, a good song. <laughs> if this is the fruit of the spirit, then the Holy Spirit must be all of those things, yeah. must be joyful. Or we could even reverse it. Do you ever think this is really cool? We refer to the Holy Spirit, and that is true. Uh, the Holy Spirit is joyful. What if we would reverse it and say that the joyful spirit yes. is holy? Yes. It's just as true. Yes. Because joy is not a temporary condition that comes and goes with the spirit any more than it is with us. Joy is gospel because it's who the spirit is and the spirit indwells us and invites us to be joyful. We've already made that point, haven't we? And the spirit does that in countless ways. Let me count yeah. the ways. We will do just a few here. Yes. But let, me remind, let us remind you before we even start on the ways, what Paul told the Philippians. We'll get to this particular verse next Sunday. Rejoice always. Yeah. And in this case, Hosannans, always means always. Always. Like joy means joy. (laughs) Yeah. And you know something, that word rejoice, with an exclamation point, rejoice. It's a command in the original text. That is a command. So you want to say to some legalistic Christians, what was it? Who was it that said that Christians are, no. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't have started that if I didn't know I could finish it. Okay. <laughs> well, that guy. The one about them being sad. Anyway. Oh my. <laughs> sorry. You're talking about Gandhi where he said, I like your Christ, but not your Christians? No, I'm talking about like. He said that. He did. Anyway, it's a command. <laughs> <laughs> so. Rejoice. For. But, but the point, for, the, for, the, for legalistic Christians, so if it's a command to be joyful in all kinds of ways, not to be joyful, that's sin. No, anyway, it's a command. Why? Because we've already been given Christ's joy, and we are able to discern joy from happiness with the Holy Spirit. So we now have a choice. We are free when the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. 
We're freed from all of that old stuff. So, and we have a choice now. We have a choice to be joyful, always, including both now and for the future, right? We've talked about how joy sustains us in the present moment. We also need to notice that joy sustains us into the future one day at a time. Paul told the persecuted Roman believers, be joyful. Again, another command. Be joyful. Be, why? Because you have hope. See, we can be joyful not only in this present moment, but we can be joyful because our future hope is not dependent on anything we do. It, it, it's not dependent on what anybody else does. It's only dependent on the one who created and redeemed us and will continue to fulfill every promise he has made to us in this life and right on into eternity. We don't know when all the promises are gonna be fulfilled. Mystery. But we know that one day they will be and that gives us hope which allows us to be deeply rooted in joy. Rejoice always includes during good times and bad times. Mm -hmm. Now, the good times part is easy because happiness comes along and helps facilitate that. Yay, my team won. Yay, I got a promotion. Yay, I got an A. I got, yay, yay, she said yes. Whatever it is that we are happy about allows us to tap into or some of the joy yes. that is underneath there. Hmm? Or he said yes. Or he said yes. Yes. <laughs> but joyful in the bad times... It's a bit more challenging. I officiated at a funeral Friday morning. Nobody connected with Hosanna here. But, um, old um, church I served back in the 90s. And, uh, the daughter of the deceased woman was, was, was an old friend of ours. And um, at the funeral, she was sitting in the front row and she was crying. Of course, not laughing, not happy. But was there joy underneath? Mm-hmm. Sometimes life hits us so hard that it seems to knock the joy out of us. Yeah. And sometimes people are so cruel that they seem to suck the joy out of us. But the joy is still there. Yeah. It's God's joy. If we can't see it in the dark, we can still trust that joy will be visible in the morning light. Yes. We sing about that here. And that's why James, in his epistle, could encourage us to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I haven't lived up to that verse yet. Yeah. That's indeed possible. Pure joy. Not just uh, a grudging, okay, I'll put up with it kind of thing. When you encounter various trials, consider pure joy because he knew that external circumstances cannot remove our joy. In fact, sometimes they can produce something within us that allows us a greater capacity for joy. It's amazing. Yeah, and so that brings us to the next one. Rejoice always, that command. It, it's, it's also possible whether we feel it or not. See, it is such good news that we don't have to paste fake smiles on our faces or pretend to feel happy when we're anything but happy. See, we get to feel happy, joyful emotions when they're there, yay, but when they're not, we get to be real. Knowing that nothing lasting has changed with our emotions. 
Feelings come and feelings go, but underneath them all, our lives are sustained by this settled joy that's holding us now. And sustained by the future joy that awaits us, even in the life to come. At the Last Supper, Jesus warned his disciples. He said, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Of course, confused, yes. They didn't know what was happening with him. They were just waiting for him to be the Messiah that they thought he should be and that they were taught he should be the one that's gonna come and wipe out the Romans and all the oppressors and wage war and be victorious and set up a literal physical throne in Jerusalem. But do you see what Jesus is doing? He's affirming the sorrow that they're going to feel when he, their dear friend, just a few hours after Jesus said this, was going to be brutally killed. He is normalizing for them and for every one of us that feelings of sadness and grief, like Tony just said at this funeral, are part of being human. God gave us all our emotions, the full spectrum. All of them, in one way or another, are gift, but they get distorted sometimes. All right, but we get to feel sad. We get to grieve, and Jesus is normalizing that for them, and at the same time, he's also giving them hope. He's assuring them that even so, even though this is gonna be so hard for you, there is a time coming when all the pain will be worth it. And then he likens all of them, himself included. He goes on and he says, you know, it's like a woman, women in labor, in childbirth, are in pain. That anguish is real. But Jesus said, but when the child's born, there's joy so deep and full that it brings meaning to the pain. In, verse, uh, in John 16, 22, he goes on. He says, you have pain now. He's saying, you're like that right now. We're all like that right now. We right now in this culture, in this world, are like that right now. You have pain now. But I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. And you know what? They did rejoice after, you know, Jesus' death, crucifixion. They rejoiced a short time after when their crucified friend Jesus stood before them very much alive and full of joy. The scripture actually says they stood in the disbelief of joy. Not that they were unbelieving. It's standing right there in front of them. But you know that feeling when something happens that is so incredibly good that it, your mind, you, you're, I can't believe this. I can't believe this is happening. It's happening, but I can't believe it's happening. It's so incredible. That's what they were feeling. They felt incredible joy in the presence of the risen Christ's overwhelming joy. And it all came with the promise that no matter what happens from this point on, no one will take your joy from you. Okay, question then. Why are there so many joyless Christians? Mm. Maybe because 
Although no one can take our joy from us, we can choose to give our joy away all the time. How do we give our joy away? Oh, just some ideas. When we trust more in our own power to control our circumstances than in the Spirit's power to transform us in the midst of our circumstances, that robs some of our joy. We give some of our joy away. It happens when we care more about what other people say about us than what God says. Well, we give joy away. Well, when we allow reality to be shaped by fear rather than faith, joy. We're giving it away. And when we forget that feelings aren't facts, feelings are not facts. When we forget that, man, we give our joy away. See, whether you feel joyful or not, if Christ lives in you, you are joy-filled. Because Christ, who is joy, is there. The spirit who is joy is there. So let's all agree. Let's not let anyone steal our joy, especially ourselves. Boy, this was a happy message until you stepped on my toes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else feel that one too? About your joy being stolen away by yourself? Oh, when we get jealous. Oh, my God, I, I could just go right down the list. I mean, I've recovered from Lots of them. (laughs) You get jealous of somebody else? Yeah, we give our joy away. Instead of recognizing, you can't, if you want to be jealous of one thing and isolate one thing in somebody's life and give your joy away, okay. But you know what? The truth is, you would have to take that person's whole life. Really. It kind of causes you to get a little joyful about the life that you do have. Anyway, I'll stop. I tend to be most joyful when everybody else is doing what I want them to do. (laughs) (laughs) And my joy kind of withers away when they're not cooperating. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's God's relentless invitation to rejoice is not just for us, (laughs) but it's also for others. Joy is never selfish. Beginning selfish about it, it's probably not joy. It's something else. This is why Jesus encouraged his disciples one day. I've told you this so that my joy may be in in you. Don't you love how Jesus is always looking out for the joy, the joy fair, (laughs) (laughs) the joy quotient of the disciples and for us? I told you this so that your joy may be full, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. I want to see you joyful. So what's he telling them so that their joy may be full? Love one another. Yeah. As I have loved you. Do you see the link there? Our joy is fullest when we love. It's not when we acquire and do all these other things. It's not when we bring it all into ourselves. It's when we give it away. It's counterintuitive. The world doesn't understand this. And most of the times, the church doesn't understand it. Yeah. When we love, we, because we love, we want to we, we share that joy we've experienced with others, and then we feel more joy, and then we want to share it with even more others, and it becomes this incredible cycle of love and joy that probably feels a little bit what it's like to me in the Trinity. And think about it for a moment. Isn't this a far better way to share gospel than what most people think? Let me tell you how bad of a sinner you are. Yeah. I don't think most people need to know, need to have somebody tell them that. We feel our brokenness. Yeah. 
We feel our pain. We feel our shame. We, we've already got that covered. What they haven't heard from us in good news is how much we're loved and how much joy there is when we swim in that love. You know, Tony, there are podcasts out there that are affirmation podcasts. And it's just, um, as you're talking... That's a very good point. Is there are affirmation? <laughs> but I just saw, you know, people with headphones listening to someone else recording positive statements, affirming statements about who they are so that, you know, that they can, like, immerse themselves in that. If the church would do that, if we would be affirming and joyful and positive in, in all of what you're saying, what we're saying this morning, what the Bible says, what Jesus was, wow, I would love for us to put those podcasts out of business. That's awesome. That's a very smart point. And I'm sorry, I'm making jokes about <laughs> Afro. Right well, let's summarize it this way. Because gospel is joy and God is joy, we, the people of God, are joyful. And we are also joy bringers. That's yes. the phrase. That's where gospel comes into it. When, we, when it's not just gospel for us, but for everybody else. We are joy bringers to the world. Yes. I'd say that's a gospel that we can share off excitement, right? It's not bad news. It's good news. God, God takes such joy in you and in your joy. Yeah. God wants you to be joyful. Isn't that awesome? Yep. yep. We'll suggest real quickly as we finish up some ways how we can do that. Yeah, quickly. Four ways. How can we be joy bringers? First, by, one of the ways is by hearing God laugh. Learning to hear God laugh and then helping others to laugh along. See, God's laughter echoes through creation. In the music of the spheres, you know, as the planets and the galaxies dance in their rhythms in infinite space. And then right here on Earth, God, God's laughter is reverberating everywhere. It's heard in children's and animals, like my dog, the husky, Luna, in the snow this morning, playing. It's seen and smelled in the riotous outburst of flowers in spring as, as the trees rejoice and clap their hands and the mountains and the hills sing with the stones ready to erupt into cheering, you know, to cry out in praise to God if we humans won't. God's laughter is felt on the beach, you know, in the frolicking waves on our feet in the warm rays of the sun on our skin. God's laughter is tasted in a meal shared with dear friends, in a gentle kiss, in the salt of laughter's tears. When we laugh so hard, we're crying. See, as we attune our senses to resonate with God's laughter in every moment, we're able to offer and to share that laughter with others, to help them laugh too, so they might experience the joy of the Lord themselves, you know, so that they might experience that the joy of the Lord multiplies joy a bit more in their hearts, that we might offer them the joy that lightens the burdens a bit more from their shoulders, that relieves the worry and the anxiety a bit more from their minds, and invites them just a bit more into saving relationship with the one who offers them the hope, peace, strength, and endurance that only the deep, sustaining joy of the Lord can bring. Those of you that are 
And Facebook friends of mine know that this is part of what I think God has called me to be in mission and social media. Uh, sometimes I get overly silly. Oh, well, I'd rather risk that yeah. than be overly mournful. The world has enough of that, right? Yeah. So um, maybe some of you want to join me, or if we're not friends, connect with me or whatever, but uh, let's, let's, let's share some of that laughter. Yeah, why don't we just all be holy fools together? Yeah. We can also do this, bring gospel joy to others, by reminding them of what we were talking about for ourselves, the joy that lies beneath them. Mm-hmm. Helping them to remember how joy has been present for them in the past, as it has for us, and then encouraging them to trust then that it is still there right now, right. just like we also trust. And a lot of what we can do for one another is just carry that joy for one another mm-hmm. sometimes. Say, I know you're not feeling it right now, but it's there, and we're going to believe it together, and how about if I express it for you? We're the joy reminders of the world. We help other people remember. That's a pretty awesome ministry. Yes. And third, we can also bring joy to others by pointing them not only to the joy in the present moment, not only to the memories, reliving some of the memories of joy in the past, but also pointing them to the joy yet to come. See, when we actually allow ourselves to be filled to overflowing with that hope and joy, we won't be able to stop ourselves, right, from sharing with everyone the great news of the unfading eternal joy that will truly be better than we can imagine and well worth all of it. And finally, we can bring gospel joy to others by simply enjoying God in front of them. Right. And enjoying each other as part of enjoying God. Um, that can be reflected in our worship, of course. My favorite hymn in the old hymnal was um, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. I want to be able to sing that truly. Beethoven. Um, hmm? and Beethoven wrote a good tune for that. Yeah, yeah, Ninth Symphony. Mm-hmm. The, the Puritans, oh my goodness, we picture them historically as being so mean <laughs> so unhappy ones. but they got some things right yes that was the quote from earlier uh. that puritans christians are the people who are oh. sad because they know that somewhere someone, someone is, is having, having a good fun time. yeah yes. <laughs> but they weren't all like that because back in the 17th century, they wrote a catechism, which is a way to, the way that they used in those days, to instruct people about the ways of God. And, so, and it was question and answer. So one of the questions was, what is the chief end of man? Forget the gender language. Well, what, what, why are we here? Why are humans created? What's the primary purpose? And this was their answer. Anyone know this one? This is cool. The first part of the answer you might have expected, to glorify God. And then they added something that was so startling 300 years later, it ought to catch up, make us catch our breath, yeah. to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yes. Not just worship, not just obey, not just proclaim, but enjoy. Do you enjoy God? Yeah. Isn't that kind of enjoyment attractive to the world? Mm-hmm. And might God... Enjoy being enjoyed? Yes. The video we started this message with asked us, when was the last time you did this or that? You know, wiped out, jumped in, whatever it was, dance for joy. Let me ask you one more question there. When was the last time you enjoyed God? Mm-hmm. 
When's the last time you yelled out, Yay, God, <laughs> for your salvation in Christ? When was the last time you rose to your feet with a cheer because God made in another immaculate reception in the world? <laughs> Tonight's Super Bowl night, if anybody cares. <laughs> People are going to stand up and they're going to be rowdy tonight in the stands and in their homes for a football game that will be largely forgotten by Thursday. <laughs> Except for the commercials. We're wondering if we can just do a little bit of that today for something that's eternal. You want to try? Okay, we have our noisemakers. Where's our hats? Oh, oh. We need hats. The worship team had hats, and Deb wore her hat, but we, we have feel hats. competitive. <laughs> and I don't wear hats, so here you go, folks. This is, <laughs> this is my wizard hat. <laughs> yes! Let's, let's stand up. <laughs> Stop blowing. the music, we Jeff. Can, we can roll down our windows <laughs> on the way home. Okay, right. let's continue to shout our hosannas all the way out the back door. Uh, and that's both the prayer and the benediction. <laughs>